listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. This episode covers the life of Christ in the Gospel of Luke. You can enjoy more messages like this with the free Courage Matters app, available in your app store. If you'd like to request Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event, click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. There's a lot of talk these days about the end times, rightly so, because there's so much happening in our world. But you need to get a right understanding of how you should be living. I need to have a right understanding about how I should be living in these turbulent times in which we live, because if we don't, if we don't get a grip, biblically speaking, on what's happening in this nation, what's happening in the world, and what Jesus teaches, as is recorded in the Bible, we might miss some golden opportunities. And let me tell you, there are some huge opportunities in front of us at this particular time in history. So where do we look to find hope and help and encouragement to replace the frustration and the fretting and the worrying that otherwise would dominate our lives In this particular time of history, we turn to the Word of God. Let's look at Luke chapter 21. In Luke chapter 21, we're continuing, going right through verse by verse in our series through the Gospel of Luke, and we just happen to be, as things would fall, right here where Jesus is teaching about the end times, the circumstances, the situations that will be prevalent in the world just before his return, just before the end of all things, and that's why this particular passage is important. That's why when we go through a steady diet of God's word, eventually we get to every possible topic known to man. So look with me at Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 8. And he said, Jesus, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness." Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. 
Now, you and I can turn to a lot of places today if we want negative news, if we want to read some information that will put us in a difficult place, give us a hard time sleeping at night. We can watch talking heads. We can listen to the radio. And it seems like there's a lot of discussion today about all the problems. I don't know about you, but I would like a solution. I would like to know how a follower of Jesus Christ is supposed to live in light of the terrible circumstances that Jesus said would unfold. And he said these things almost 2,000 years ago. I need somebody to speak hope and help into my life. Don't you need that? I need somebody to get me beyond just the worry and the fretting and the fear and the concerns about what Jesus said would happen. Remember, Jesus said that the world before his return would not end in this climactic, wonderful utopia. In fact, he said the exact opposite, and we've read some of it right here and right now. Now, if Jesus says that the world before his return is going to be a very dark, dastardly, devilish place, I need Jesus to speak into my life since he's left me here in the meantime. He's left you here in the meantime. We need Jesus to speak some words of encouragement into our lives so that we know how to navigate through these waters. That's why I want us to look at verses 8 and 9 here right in Luke 21 because Jesus begins to show us exactly how a Christ follower should live in an increasingly Christless world. Verse 8, he said, see that you are not led astray. Now, many of us are Star Wars fans. Here's where the teaching of Yoda would come into play. Or Yoda said, there is no try, only do. And in the original language, this is what Jesus is teaching. It comes across very clearly in the original language because of the Greek tense, but it also comes across in the English language as well. Jesus couldn't be any clearer than he's being right here. Look what he says. See that you are not led astray. Don't think about it. Don't just dream about it. Don't just try it. You must make sure that you, the one who is responsible for your own spiritual development, You must make sure that you are not led astray. If you're in your household, the parents, the mother and the father, you should be making sure that your family is not led astray. Pastors, teachers in the church and the body of Christ must be teaching and preaching the word of God to make sure in the midst of these dark days that we are not led astray because Jesus knew and Jesus knows that we mortals struggle with fear. We mortals struggle with getting led astray. We go off on rabbit trails where we should be focused on one particular thing and then in the passage of time, we're fixated on something else, even like right now. Here I am standing on the platform next to a manger filled with perhaps straw Or maybe, hey, I don't know, if I continue to reach down and touch it, I could pick it up and be able to tell by how rough or smooth it is, by how light or heavy it is, by the texture, without even looking at it. I could tell whether or not this is straw or it's hay in this manger seat. And I bet you're wondering right now, because I've taken you on a rabbit trail. 
I've gotten you totally fixated and focused on the wrong thing. And Jesus knew. Because of the difficulty of the last days before the end of all things. The world situation will be so difficult on a global basis that the tendency for mere mortals will be to be led astray. And so we have it on the authority of Jesus' words that we must be vigilant, we must be diligent, we must tend to our own tendency to be distracted. Jesus says, see to it that nobody leads you astray. Now Jesus tells us about the somebodies who have great ability, great effectiveness in leading us astray. See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. Don't follow false teachers. Many will come in the name of Jesus, saying, I am he. And Jesus is warning us ahead of time. You see, false teachers will get you on a rabbit trail. People who are presenting themselves as Jesus, as the Messiah, every once in a while one gets national or international notoriety and says that he's the Messiah, the, the end of all time, all things have come and he's the savior of the world, she's the savior of the world. And Jesus told us 2,000 years ago, don't be led astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he. Don't follow false teachers. Now, many of us in the Christian community, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that we're supposed to be on the alert, be on guard against false Christ, against false teachers. So we have the radar on oftentimes when somebody starts drawing attention to themselves and saying that they're the savior or they're the intermediary between God and man. Our evangelical radar goes up. Well, that sounds fishy. We're warned about that in scripture. So we can begin to pay attention to all of the claims of people when they come along about being the false Christ, false Messiah. And what happens is while we're focusing on the front door, something comes in through the back door. And what comes in through the back door often is not the false teacher, but the false teaching. Look what Jesus says. Many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is at hand. And this is true, especially in these dark days in which we live. There are people talking about world events. We just had an event that happened in Paris yesterday with the new agreement on climate control, climate change, which you're now going to begin to see the opportunity for global taxation in the name of climate change. It's coming. I wish it was just in a theater near you. It's coming to a neighborhood near you and me. But especially in this day and age in which we live, there's a lot of talk about the time is at hand and there are people getting others all in a tizzy about the circumstances. And this certainly must be the time. People talk about the color of the moon. People talk about the calendar of the Jewish people. And because of the time in which we're living now, 
there's significance and correlation. Well, there may be significance and correlation. There might not be significance and correlation. What we do know from Jesus is that if you're not careful and if I'm not careful, we will begin to follow not only false teachers, but also false teachings that fixate and focus on the what and the when and lose sight of the who and the how the person and work of Jesus Christ and how we are to live our lives in the midst of whatever happens. Listen, if you focus on living rightly for Jesus Christ and leave the circumstances up to God, you will be ready in season and out of season. You'll know what to do, when to do, and how to do it. And don't take my word for it. By the time we're done, you will have God's word for it. You will believe because of what the word of God teaches. And what Jesus is helping you and me understand, what he's helping us understand, is that if you're not careful, and you've got to be careful, you will be led astray by false teachers and false teachings. You'll get up in a tizzy, you'll get all bent out of shape thinking that the timing and the circumstances now, and you might begin to hunker down and retreat when you should be reaching out at this golden time in American and world History. Don't lose me on where we're going. You got to pay attention very closely today because if you don't, you're going to get left behind. And I'm not referring to the movie that came out. I'm referring to this particular message and what you're going to take away from it so that you know how to live for Christ no matter what happens. Jesus says very clearly do not go after them, false teachers and teaching that emphasizes. A distortion, focusing on the world events as opposed to how Christ followers should live in the midst of world events. Look what he says in verse 9. When you hear of wars and tumults, Matthew says rumors of war, do not be terrified for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Now, what part of Jesus saying that is not clear? The end will not be at once. In Matthew 24, a parallel passage here where Jesus is recorded as saying wars and rumors of war, he says, take heart, these are but the beginning of the birth pangs. And see, the tendency for you and for me, for mere mortals, is we see wars, we see rumors of war, we hear of rumors of war. We see ethnic uprisings. That's what is spoken of in verse 10. Nation will rise against nation. The word that's used there is ethnos. Could also refer to ethnic groups. Wow. Aren't we seeing one ethnic group after another ethnic group? We see it here in the United States. We see it in Europe. We see it in the Middle East. And what's being taught here by Jesus is that the new norm of the world living outside of Eden will be difficulty and hardship and ethnic dissension, dissension between one nation and another, war and rumors of war. But make no mistake what Jesus says. These are but the beginning 
The end is not near at hand. And that's why it's good to have Scripture interpret Scripture. When we take what Luke is saying here in chapter 21, and we compare that to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, and Matthew 25 about the end times. And when we take Mark 13 and we look again at what Jesus is recorded as saying in Mark 13, we begin to have a very comprehensive understanding not only about the circumstances before Jesus' return, but the thing that seems to elude us. How we should live in the midst of of us being here and now, and perhaps there and then, if we live to see the time immediately before the end. We mortals get diverted. We get distracted. And we begin to emphasize certain portions of Scripture rather than other portions of Scripture. And when Jesus has said it just right here, in two different ways, in two verses, he says, see that you're not led astray, do not go after them. And then he says, but the end will not be at once. That needs to sink into your spiritual DNA. Because if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, we'll be led astray. And we'll begin to follow, perhaps in a worst-case scenario, false teachers. Perhaps in a lesser-case scenario, more subtle for those of us who are Christ followers, false teachings. And if you do either one of those, follow a false teacher or false teachings, what will happen is you'll be led astray. You'll be led astray from sincere and pure devotion to Christ, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. You'll fixate on the circumstances instead of how you can be a factor of influence in the midst of the circumstances. And this is what Jesus is always trying to help us understand. This is what he's doing here. He's trying to help you and me to understand you can do something in the midst of hell on earth, something eternally significant because of what's happening on earth. Be careful that you don't follow a false teacher false teachings that lead you astray from being the factor of influence that God has called you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, to be. Look with me, verses 10 through 13. Then he, Jesus, said to them, nation will rise against nation. That's what I was referring to when I said the word ethnos is used there. The word ethnic group could be translated. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. This is country against country. So the whole world, people, characterized by difficulty and division and divisiveness. There will be great earthquakes in various places. Now, the word that's used here for great doesn't mean that people are jumping up and down. Hallelujah and amen. This is a great earthquake, isn't it? It's not what it means. It means the type of an earthquake that is uncharacteristic compared to other earthquakes. These types of earthquakes will be of such a magnitude that they are characterized as being set apart, characteristic of the beginning of the end of times. And they'll also be in places where earthquakes are not necessarily characteristic. 
great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences, the absence of food, the absence of supplies, famines and pestilences. The other word that could be translated there, diseases. Multiplicity of diseases characteristic on the face of the earth. And there will be terrors, or another word that could have been translated there, horrors. There will be terrors or horrors and great signs from heaven. Now, don't you think it's fascinating? I find it fascinating. That here Jesus is telling the disciples and he's telling us ahead of time, Listen, I want you to understand a thing or two about how the world's going to be characterized and there will be disciples, there will be followers of mine in the world at this particular time. Now, some have speculated that Jesus was speaking about the destruction of the temple in part here in 70 AD. And in a larger sense, Jesus was talking about what would happen on world events after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. The truth of the matter is that it's recorded in scripture. The disciples heard it. They were being warned. We are being warned. And the smart person avoids getting off on rabbit trails and understands that one of the characteristics of the life of a Christ follower is diligence to being a walking worshiper with Jesus, regardless of the times in which we live. Following Jesus Christ is always in fashion. You see, we've got to not only be careful that we don't follow a false teacher and false teachings, we've also got to be careful we don't fixate on the wrong issue or issues. You see, because the thing that consumes a Christ follower is actually not a thing. He's a person. And if you're not careful, you'll be led astray. I'll be led astray. Anybody will be led astray. You'll begin to focus on the earthquakes, the ethnic uprisings, the wars and the rumors of war, the famines, the diseases, all these horrific things that have come upon the face of the earth, which will be the new norm before the end of all things. And if that happens we will lose sight of being faithful in the midst of the circumstances. You see, this is what it's all about. Look at what Jesus says here in verse 12. But before all this, notice, before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. They'll persecute you. Jesus is warning the disciples in his day, and he's warning us disciples in this day. Something that we seem to have separated from following Christ in the United States of America. Oh, we could bring people here and have them come up onto the platform if we could only get them out of prison. We could bring people here from other countries and bring them up on the platform if only we could raise them from the dead. Because they're in prison and they were killed for no other reason than being faithful to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. World events in their world were so bad that that's what led them to being put in prison. That's what led them to be faithful to the point of giving up their own lives. Something's happened in America. 
The bait and switch has happened. I thank God that we have a large building to be faithful with for the purpose of having a large number of people come in and hear about this Jesus we preach about. Amen? I thank God that we have a campus that we can use for the glory of God. But if we begin to get enamored with the campus, if we begin to get enamored with ourselves, well, why? Look at how significant we are. Listen, God only gives mere mortals significance for the purpose of proclaiming him as the significant God. The first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. That's the reason why God gives us resources. And the bait and switch in this country has been that we've become enamored with what we are doing in the name of God. Put a Jesus sticker on it any way you want. If Jesus is not in it, Jesus knows. Persecution cannot be separated from obedience to Jesus Christ. Persecution cannot be separated from being faithful to Jesus. You see, what's happened in our country is that following Jesus has been synonymous with being physically protected, financially protected. If I follow Jesus, if I give my life to Jesus, then Jesus is going to give me a pay raise. And the gospel has become Jesus makes everything better for me. But when we read the words of Jesus about what biblical faith looks like, and here he is 2,000 years ago telling us what biblical faith looks like. And when we look at what our American faith looks like, it seems to be like we're reading the wrong version of the Bible. Because persecution and faithfulness to Jesus have somehow gone to court, had a restraining order filed, a divorce proceeding arranged. And now they're not living together anymore. That's not biblical faith. Jesus told us 2,000 years ago, Jesus is telling us right here and right now, if you are faithful to me, you will be persecuted. In fact, in order to be faithful to me, the way in which a Christ follower must be faithful to me, you must be persecuted. And sometimes Jesus is speaking to them in their day and to us in our day. Speaking of synagogues and prisons, the synagogue was the local place where if somebody had a charge against a, a Jew... Maybe it was heresy or adultery or being spiritually unclean, ceremonially unclean. You'd bring it to the synagogue. Remember, we have the larger picture of that in the temple when Jesus was tried by the Sanhedrin. Well, that process was repeated in synagogues all over the place. And this is what Jesus is telling them in their day. They're going to bring you into the synagogue and they're going to falsely charge you. They're going to throw you into prison. And we see that begin to happen in the book of Acts. And it's still going on today, and maybe I'm wrong. But I'd be awfully surprised if 50 years from now, people weren't thrown in prison for nothing other than saying, I believe that this Bible is true and that Jesus is the only way. Persecution and faithfulness to God go hand in glove. And don't you find it interesting that Jesus 
spoke these words 2,000 years ago to help us understand what biblical faith looks like. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have trouble. Remember what happened to Jesus. And I'm not just speaking about the crucifixion. I'm also speaking about the resurrection. You know, people will say, well, I'm premillennial, I'm postmillennial, I'm amillennial. I believe in the pre-trib rapture, mid-trib rapture, post-trib rapture, the pre-wrath rapture. You can read a book, read a blog about any of that stuff. You know what I am? I am pan-millennial. I believe that everything's going to pan out in the end. And in the meantime, you know what I believe? We need to make sure that we're not distracted by false teachers and false teaching. We need to make sure that we're not fixated on the wrong things when we should be focused on being faithful to Almighty God, even if it costs us our very lives. That is what it means to be a Christ follower. And that was true 2,000 years ago, and it's true today. If you want to follow Christ, there might come a point in your life when it might cost you dearly, as defined by the value of your very life. Notice what he says in verse 12. Before all this, they'll lay their hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Wait a second, Jesus, can't you spare me? No. Because the objective of God in your life, listen to this, we, have, we don't understand this in America. God's objective in your life and in mine is not to make us comfortable, not to give us convenient lives. God's objective in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ is universally the same. Whether you're in a third world country, first world country, somewhere in between, God's objective in the life of a Christ follower is the same everywhere to exalt the king of kings and to spread the kingdom of that king wherever we go, no matter what the circumstances are, in good times and in bad times, when we have money, when we don't have money, when our lives are being threatened, when we're being persecuted at church or being persecuted in our families, being misunderstood, regardless of what the scenario is, fill in the blank the purpose of God for you and for me as a follower of God is to bear witness for the king and the kingdom. Look at what Jesus says. For my name's sake, verse 12. In verse 13, this will be your opportunity to wring your hands and scratch your head and quake and shake and be concerned about how much food you have stored up, whether or not you can still carry. I should begin to have that discussion with myself and my spouse. Should I conceal carry? Shouldn't I? You might be saying, no, Jesus says, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. This is God's purpose in your life and mine. And the worse the world's situation becomes, the greater the opportunity to bear witness for the king and the kingdom. This is what should consume and concern us as followers of Jesus Christ. 
What Jesus is saying, I know what's coming on the world. I know the battles that will be raging in your family, raging in your personal life, raging between ethnic groups, raging between nations. I know all of that stuff, and I'm telling you that you need to stand up and bear witness for me. We would say, well, why didn't Jesus just get us out of this place? I don't know when you see Jesus face to face. When I see Jesus face to face, we'll understand more of why things are happening the way they're happening. There's already enough for us to focus on in terms of how we should be living. That should consume and invigorate and reinvigorate our lives. The deeper the darkness, the more easy it is to see the light. Where is our light today as Christ followers? See, I believe that you should have food and water stored up. Good idea. I personally believe in concealing and carrying. You might never know when I'm concealing and carrying. Don't try to find out the hard way. You might be having that debate in your own family. Well, uh, just debates raging now with bloggers and television programs and radio programs. Well, conceal carry this, conceal carry that, gun rights this, they should be restricted, they shouldn't be restricted. All this discussion going on. I'd like to know what some of the people who want to take away the guns think we would have done in World War II if nobody had guns to fight Hitler. See, there's all types of scenarios that could play out and pan out. But the one thing that we should all be unified about, the thing that we should lovingly be able to disagree over should be all those things I just mentioned briefly. We can lovingly disagree about that stuff, but the thing that should unite us and the thing about which we should all be on the same page is that our calling by Jesus himself is to bear witness. That the more difficult the circumstance, the more difficult the situation, when hell breaks out on earth, it's your opportunity and mine to bring heaven into the midst of that hell. And Jesus is telling us ahead of time, no, I might not necessarily spare your life. Sometimes that happens. We see that in the book of Acts with Peter and John thrown in prison and they get out of it. Another time we see Stephen who is stoned. There are certain instances where people are thrown into prison and then they're released. Other situations where they're stoned and killed. They're murdered. It's up to God what happens to your life and to mine. And if you fixate and if you focus like many people who claim to be following Christ today are fixating and focusing on the events rather than the one who told us about the events before they happened, you'll be fixated and focused on the wrong things. You'll be susceptible to following a false teaching or a false teacher. You will miss the Savior in the midst of the circumstances. God's purpose for your life and for mine is to bear witness. So what does it mean to bear witness? Of course, there's that ultimate sense. Let's look at Matthew 25 as we look at Jesus teaching about how we are to live in the midst of difficult times. There's a sense in which if you're standing before somebody who's got the, the authority to take your life, it's important to bear witness. 
But the best way to prepare for an exam is before the exam papers have been handed out. If you and I are living for Jesus Christ in the midst of what seems to be the humdrum of life, there's nothing humdrum about life for the real Christ follower. And Jesus speaks about how we should be living, how a real follower of Jesus, a real follower of his should be living in Matthew 25, a parallel account to this whole section that we're reading in Luke chapter 21. In Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31, it says this, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Did you catch the drift of the king and the kingdom here? And here's the reason. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those in his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Yes, there is an eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. We read the book of Revelation and we understand. See, don't try to sanitize the teaching of Jesus. It's not up to you and it's not up to me to determine, well, this teaching of Jesus was probably real. And this teaching of Jesus maybe wasn't because it makes us a little bit hot under the collar, no pun intended. The original lake of fire, the lake of fire was originally prepared for the devil and his angels, but people who reject Jesus in the here and now in this world will go into an eternity continuing to reject Jesus, experiencing the second death in this lake of fire. That's what the book of Revelation teaches. It's what the Bible teaches here. This is what Jesus is teaching. Verse 42, here's the reason why. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. What a contrast here, the sheep and the goats, those who get into the eternity with Jesus and those who go into the eternal lake of fire. They, each individual, each group of people is characterized as having something to give away needs to take care of, but one is selfless. We're living in such a self-absorbed society today, aren't we? The ones who have eternal life are the selfless ones, the ones who are really following Jesus, and they're so selfless that they don't even realize that they've been ministering to Jesus because they understand the importance of loving people. 
as the means, primarily speaking, of how we love God. And Jesus says, no, you're the ones who will enter into eternal life with me. And then over here, the goats, the ones who felt like they were doing good stuff for other people. And Jesus says, no, you had it all wrong because the faith was not there. Their motive was not there. And they were the self-absorbed ones. See, in your life and in mine, we've got to understand you want to store up food supplies You want to be able to defend yourself, that's fantastic, but if all you're thinking about is yourself, you are missing the king and the kingdom. What's come upon the world and what might be coming upon the world can be a golden opportunity for you and for me to stand up and to bear witness and to care for people who will not be ready, people who will not have the opportunity to take care of themselves because they weren't listening to Jesus weren't paying attention to the words of Jesus. See, if you're paying attention to the words of Jesus, and if I'm paying attention to the words of Jesus, then you and I will be concerned about the things of Jesus. And Jesus, last time we read the Bible, was concerned about the welfare of other people. Jesus was concerned about whether or not other people understood him as the king, and whether or not other people were being brought into the kingdom. But if you're not careful, you will fixate and focus upon me, myself, and I. That's what a goat does. A goat is only concerned about getting more grass into his gut, more tin can into his gut. Goats will eat anything and everything, more rope. If it's in front of a goat and a goat is hungry, it's going down the throat. That's the way it works. But Jesus is saying to the disciples, Jesus is saying to you and me, you will have a golden opportunity as things get worse. That will be the golden opportunity that I myself am giving you to tell people, to tell people about me, the king, to spread the kingdom by leading people to the king, leading people to Christ. And if you fixate and focus on world events, and that's as far as it goes, and if you miss what Jesus is teaching here, and all you do is hoard, and all you do is concern yourself with me, myself, and I, and living a life of comfort and convenience, if you allow that bait and switch to continue in your brand of Christianity, then you will miss And I will miss one of the greatest soul-saving seasons in the history of civilization. And it is one that has already begun in this nation and in other nations around the world. Be careful of false teachers. Be careful of false teaching. Be careful you don't get fixated and focused on anything other than the king and the kingdom. And look at what Jesus says here, beginning in verse 14. He tells us how we should approach difficult circumstances, pestilences, and tremendous, unbelievable earthquakes that are happening in various locations, and ethnic uprisings, and wars, and horrors that the world had never before seen. Here's what he says. 
Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate or to plan beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. Oh, Jesus. Really? Couldn't you spare me? Couldn't you spare us? Couldn't you spare future generations? Jesus says, no. And I don't know fully why, and neither do you, but God knows fully why. And he's shown himself to be trustworthy from Genesis to Revelation. I don't need to know why things are happening exactly as they're happening. All I need to know is that Jesus knew things would happen this way. Jesus is telling them and Jesus is telling us. And he's saying, make up your mind ahead of time. Not to meditate beforehand how to answer. I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You'll be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. Some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Don't you find it interesting what Jesus is saying here? That ahead of time, I'm telling you what's coming on the horizon for your life if you're a Christ follower. And I want you to not fret. See, Jesus is telling us don't follow false teachers, don't follow false teaching, don't fixate on the wrong things, and don't fret. I'm telling you all these things ahead of time so that you can live for me. You can be a true Christ follower. And remember how Jesus goes out. How they persecuted him to the point of death. Of course, they wouldn't have been able to do that unless Jesus willingly, voluntarily gave his own life. We know that he did. But Jesus wants you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus wants me. Jesus wants us as followers of him. To not fret, but to be faith-filled. And I would say to be spirit-filled. Look at what he says. I will give you, in verse 15, a mouth and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. If we look at the parallel account in Mark chapter 13, we get a little bit of insight about the relationship between wisdom and divine enablement. Look with me at Mark chapter 13, verse 11. Mark 13, 11, when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. It's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. The older I am in my faith in Christ, the more I realize how much I need the Holy Spirit to do anything that is noteworthy and eternally significant for Jesus Christ. And the older you get in your walk with Jesus Christ, the more you should be convinced of the same. It's not you that will be speaking, it will be me speaking through you. You will have such invincible wisdom, Mark says, through the enablement of the Holy Spirit, that not one of your adversaries will be able to stand against you. You know, when we read Acts chapter 6, they come to this important 
turning point in the ministry. They've got to distribute some food and they need some people to distribute that food. And so what do they do? Since it's a waitering or a waitressing position, they say, let's take a poll of the people. Let's see who has the most waitering experience. Let's see who's been a waitress for the longest time. We need seven waiters and waitresses. No, that's not what they do. The way they solve that problem is a biblical way to solve that problem. This is the way God wants you to solve every problem in your life as well. We need seven men filled with wisdom and filled with the Holy Spirit to wait on tables. You better believe it. Because if they're doing God's work, they need to have God's enablement. If you're doing God's work, if I'm doing God's work, we have got to have supernatural enablement. See, Jesus knew that we mortals become fearful. Well, how am I going to stand up in the midst of that kind of difficulty, that kind of hardship? It's naturally fearful. It naturally will keep you up at night. And Jesus is telling you and me, telling the disciples ahead of time, don't fret. Don't be fearful. Be faith-filled. Be spirit-filled. Because the solution is a supernatural one, not a natural one. God's solution to enduring supernatural persecution is a supernatural solution where he says, listen, I'm not going to leave you on your own. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead inhabits every single Christ follower. So that God wants you, God wants me. He wants us to get about loving the king, loving the subjects in that kingdom, spreading everywhere we go the aroma of Christ, whether there's a world event here or a world event there. This kind of a difficulty or this type of a terror or a horror, it does not matter for the Christ follower because the Christ follower has made up their mind ahead of time. doesn't matter. I will be given divine enablement at the right time to say the right word to the right people so that not one of my adversaries who is really an adversary for God, not one of those adversaries will prevail. And that's God's promise to you. That's God's promise to me. No weapon formed against us will prosper. See, if we are living for Christ in the supposedly humdrum circumstances of life, when the heat gets turned up and the pressure comes on, then we'll live for Jesus and the difficult times too. Just the other day, my family and I were down to Towson. We were over in Maryland and we went to the Towson Town Center. As we got to the front door, there was a man who was dressed a little bit out of the ordinary. He was wearing a wide-brimmed black hat and he had a pretty full beard and he had locks coming down in the front of his ears these curly locks and he was wearing a black coat and black pants and black shoes and a white nicely pressed shirt and as we came up to the door this devout Jew this orthodox Jew asked me in front of my whole family excuse me are you a Jew 
And I said, as a matter of fact, I am. I know the one who fulfilled all of the law, Jesus. He didn't know what to do with that answer at first. He just dismissed me and we went into the town center. I said, no, I've got to go back out there because I forgot Galatians 4.29, which is a reference to Genesis chapter 12, where in Galatians 4.29, it says, if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. So a Christian is the most fulfilled Jew you'll ever find on this earth after the first fulfilled Jew, Jesus the Messiah. How about that? Now, why would I say that? Did I wake up in the morning and say, we're going to Trader Joe's and I'm going to meet an Orthodox Jew and I need to have an effective answer for him? No. At the right time, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say in the right way to have that impact that will glorify Jesus. But we just got to look for the opportunity so that when they present themselves, just open your mouth. Just open your mouth. I was in London, England, and there's a place called Speaker's Square there. And at Speaker's Square, all these people like to debate. There's a lot of debate happening there right now, if you were at Speaker's Square, about climate control, about conservative issues, progressive issues, and everything in between. Moral issues. If you can think about it, it's probably being debated there in Speaker's Square. And I was there on my way to a trip to Israel with a friend of mine, and there was a man who seemed to be pretty impassioned. Turned out that he was a Muslim. And he was on his soapbox with quite a few people around him, more people than any of the other crowds. And my friend and I, out of curiosity, said, hey, I wonder what this guy's doing. Went over to see what he was speaking about. And of course, he was making fun of Christians and he was proclaiming Islam and he was trying to elevate Muhammad. And I was probably about, I would say, 75 feet away. And I got started preaching. I cut my teeth preaching on a train station platform in New Brunswick, New Jersey. That's how I started. And so this guy's maybe about 75 feet away, and he's making the crowd laugh, and he's really ridiculing the Bible. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, right there in the midst of this crowd, this guy shouts out across the whole crowd, yes, but the difference between you and the difference between me is that I have someone who died for the forgiveness of my sins. His name is Jesus, and you don't. And the whole crowd turned around and looked at this guy who gave that answer who happened to be me. Yeah. Listen, this is not about me. It's about the relevance of this passage of Scripture because this could be about you. For 40 minutes, we debated back and forth. My friend had a Bible. I was ill-prepared. I pulled out my friend's Bible, started reading from the Bible. The Bible was passed through the crowd like a mosh pit over to the Muslim who didn't like reading the passages that he thought were twisted and perverted, but they weren't. I was reading them unchanged. And then finally I made my way through the crowd, asked for the Bible back, and I kid you not, with God as my witness, the man on that platform, as the crowd doubled or tripled in size because there was this heated debate going on, he looked to the crowd and he said, somebody kill that man. And I kept looking to my right and to my left as I walked through that sea of people to the end. And apparently, nobody did kill that man, glory to God. See, that's not a story about me. 
That's a story about the Holy Spirit. That's not a story about me. That's a story about you. When they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. It's not about preserving your life. It's about spreading the word of life. It's about sharing the message of the gospel. And don't worry, I know that you're fearful in your natural self. And I know that firsthand from my own experiences. I know that you won't do it in your natural self. That's why I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And you're going to have such incredible wisdom, such authority from on high, that none of your adversaries will be able to overcome what I say through you. So make up your mind ahead of time not to worry. Make up your mind ahead of time not to fret and to fuss and to fixate on the wrong things. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. You can go through your life. I can go through my life. As many believers in Jesus Christ are going through their lives with spiritual amnesia, forgetting what Jesus said about how we should be living our lives in these last days. And if you forget, if I forget, if we forget how we should be living, what will happen is we will go through life fearful of what's happening in the world. Be faithful. Be faith-filled. Be spirit-filled. For such a time as this, because terrible, difficult times are coming on the world, but it doesn't matter. Be careful of false teachers in these last days. Be careful of false teaching in these turbulent times. Be careful that you don't fixate on the circumstances and the wrong things when you should be focused and fixated on Jesus. And don't fret. Be filled with faith that God gives you, God gives to me, that God gives to every single Christ follower. It's yours for the taking. It's yours for the asking, courtesy of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters Podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com or download the free Courage Matters app. Interested in requesting Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event? Click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking. Mm -hmm.